Hello, and welcome to episode 98. I am your host, Jessica Morehouse. Welcome to the Mo Money Podcast. Thanks for joining me for another episode. I'm excited for this episode because this is a topic that I I want to know more about. I want to be that person that's like, oh yeah, don't worry about me. I have passive income flowing from all of my real estate ventures. Maybe I've just watched a lot of HGTV and I've you know got sucked in and I you know drank the Kool Aid, whatever it is. Me and my husband have always had dreams of owning a few properties uh, over the years. Um, so when we're kind of in retirement, we have the kind of passive income flowing. Right now, we own our townhouse, which we just bought this summer. But it's definitely something that we've always talked about that we want to learn more about, be completely educated about this huge investment of owning other properties. So I'm so glad to be talking to my next guest, Kathy Fetke. She's a real estate expert. Uh, She is the co-founder of Real Wealth Network, which you can find out more information about at realwealthnetwork.com. She's also uh, a podcast host herself. She hosts the Real Wealth Show. And if that wasn't enough, she's the author of the number one bestseller, Retire Rich with Rental. So we are going to be talking about real estate investing in this episode, and I am super pumped about it. But before I get to that interview, I wanted to say thanks, Lowest Rates, for sponsoring this episode of the Mo Money Podcast. In case you don't know, Lowest Rates is the site you need to go to to find the lowest rates in Canada for your mortgage, auto insurance, life insurance, and more just like that. Super simple and awesome website. I've done it myself to find the best quote for my life insurance, so I highly recommend you check them out too at lowestrates.ca. Once again, that's lowestrates.ca. All right, let's get to that interview. Yeah? Yeah. Thanks, Kathy, for joining me on the show. I'm excited to chat real estate with you. Likewise. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited because uh, it's absolutely something that I'm personally interested in. And me and my husband have uh, chatted a-, a lot about, you know, our plans to eventually own several properties and have passive income. We have lots of friends that are currently doing it and have been doing it for, you know, eight uh, and or longer uh, years. And it's, you know, they're doing quite well because of it. So we definitely kind of want to see, you know, how do you, why does one person get into that and what's everything you need to know? But before we kind of jump into all of the specifics, I'd love to learn a bit more about you because you have a very interesting and diverse background. Uh, thanks. Yes. <laughs> I've always been an entrepreneur. I, I think when I was, oh, you know, just, well, first of all, I was in the broadcast world. I got my degree mm-hmm. in, in broadcasting and worked at CNN and Fox News and um, ABC and, and loved that. Uh, but I also wanted to be an actress. And I thought the best way I could do that was by being an agent and submitting myself. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so I did that. But I also found that, um, there was just a lot of people in the acting and modeling world that were ripping other people off, like promising mm-hmm. they could be stars and that giving really crappy education or, you know, not really having the connections or not having very good education. And so back then, just in my early 20s, I thought, well, gee, this isn't holding the bar very high. I can I can mm-hmm. do better. And so I started a, an agency and we offered the best training by casting directors and which really wasn't that hard to offer quality. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was able to book my people into, you know, mega movies and stuff. And and so that's wow. kind of what happened with real estate is I, I found out the same thing. There were so many people just ripping people off and it's like, you don't, you don't need to do that, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I, I kind of wanted to 
talk about too, because, you know, I'm very interested in real estate investing and I know lots of people have done well. Mm -hmm. However, there are a lot of people that are kind of selling the dream and basically just you find out in the news or the newspaper or whatever that, you know, so-and-so lost their, you know, life savings because they put their trust in this person who said that they were going to help them flip a house. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of scam artists out there. And so that's, yeah, I'm interested to kind of uh, know what your kind of take on that or experience like in... Um, your line of work, have you come across any of these kind of scammy, you know, people that are trying to kind of sell the dream, but really they're just out to kind of steal your money and, and move to the next town? All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> that's I mean, so sad. Yeah. And that's why I call my company Real Wealth Network, because first of mm-hmm. all, it started off with a, a, a radio show I had because, you know, mm-hmm. from my broadcast background, I kept it at ABC. And then, um, and I wasn't doing real estate. I was just, um, you know, I, I was just kind of doing whatever I felt. I was trying to be Oprah. <laughs> and, mm. and then I got horribly scary news that my husband came home one day with cancer and was told oh. he had six months to live. This oh was um, back in 2002. And um, fortunately, the doctor was wrong and he's he- healthy today. And uh, But it, back then, we didn't know. And so I changed mm the format of my radio show to be like, uh, you know, basically like the title of your show, like show me the money. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to make some money and make it fast. And, Mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, that, that's what I did. And I I started the real wealth show and I thought I only want to interview people who are the real deal, uh, because I knew there were so many fakesters out there. I mean, they yeah. would sell these boot camps and, you know, the, the, the information they were selling for twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 or $10,000 or whatever was outdated and really not applicable where, you know, in California where we were from. And, you know, people, it was just one of those things where people would buy it, never use it, and then never get started. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I started the Real Wealth Show, which then turned into the Real Wealth Network, which became live events where people could come and learn from people people who are really doing the deals, you know, the real yeah. deal. And and that's kind of what we're still doing today. So how did you uh, yourself get into real estate investing? Was it something that oh, you always kind of knew about or, or at what point in your life did you like, yeah, I want to try to do this myself? Well, kind of around all the time that, uh, that I was talking about when I was working in the mm-hmm. news and had my radio show and, and Rich was actually, he'd just written his book and he was traveling around the country uh, on, on TV stations and radio stations promoting mm-hmm. it. Everything was going great. And um, and back then, I really got in through a, a stressful situation with my dad. And that's, that's oftentimes how it happens. He had invested in apartments and uh, the, but he invested as a group, and boy, if you invest with others, you need to really check the background of that person, like yeah. we talked about, because nowadays it's so easy. I mean, we have a very, very, uh, very thorough due diligence checklist that includes like a private investigator looking at people's backgrounds, because I've fe- I have just seen so many shysters. I mean. I, I read somewhere that one in 25 Americans is a sociopath. And I tell you, most of them come right to real estate. <laughs> <laughs> they can lie to your face. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So, um, so you know, we, we just kind of put those people out of business because we would mm-hmm. bring in, you know, real people to our events who could tell us where the deals are and, you know, California's overpriced, you need to sell now and Texas is the opportunity, buy there. And 
Um, you can't even do these foreclosure deals in California, so don't try and don't buy that boot camp. And we just brought in experts who would really um, make the process easier for us. Mm-hmm. And, our and so how how did you structure this network? Because I was just looking on your website, and there's a lot of people involved. And what I do like is it does seem like you're more focused on, yes, the education, but also creating a community so people can actually learn from other people in the network and kind of grow uh, their business that way. But how I, I'm just curious from the point of like, um, you know, where to invest. That's always kind of the first thing people I think mm-hmm. think about. They're like, what's a good place? I don't want to pick the wrong place. And you always kind of hear from friends like, oh, no, 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 this town, this is where you want to invest. Like how, how like, where do you start with that? And how do you know? What do your experts say? Right. Well, back, uh, you know, back then when, uh, you know, I had just started things. And like you said, how did you get into it? My, my dad mm-hmm. um, was in that apartment and um, they sold it. They weren't the most ethical people. They sold the building, didn't tell my dad. He would have faced oh. hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes and he was just about to retire and he wouldn't have been able to. But there mm-hmm. is this kind of tax loop that I guess Donald Trump is sharing with the world now <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the 1031 exchange. And so it would give him f- 45 days to find a replacement property and then he wouldn't have to pay those taxes yet. Oh. But they, the people didn't even give him the courtesy to call him. They just sent a letter and he wow. was on vacation. And by the time he got the letter, he had just a few days left. You only get 45 days. Oh my gosh. And so he called me in a panic and I I said, well, dad, I mean, what, what are you panicked about? You just got to find a property. And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, I'll find you one. I just got married and we'll live in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's easy. So I, I, the first house I looked at, I was like, this is it. And we bought it and it saved my dad all that tax money. And we got into our first house and, and the way the 1031 exchange works is when my dad passed away, that property uh, was inherited to us and, and the, and the taxes were completely waived. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a lot to like uh, investing in property isn't just about buying a place, fixing it up and then finding people to rent. It seems like there are quite a few things that you need to know, like that, you know, taxing. I never heard of that before. <laughs> um, like, so, you know, I, I feel like it is quite complex and that probably scares some people away because it is one of those things where it's like, if it is so lucrative and I do know people who are doing very well from it, why isn't everyone doing it? Um, you know, because it does take a little risk, Mm -hmm. any investment involves Mm -hmm. risk and most people aren't willing to to do it. And also they're not really taught. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it was a stressful situation where, um, you know, we got this bad news and I turned my radio show into a show to understand this stuff. Really. It was like, I I gotta, I gotta understand this. And, um, and so I just started interview, interviewing people week after week, trying to understand, you know, how do you build wealth and passive income? I wanted to still be home with my my kids. I didn't want a Mm full-time job and, and, you know, not overwhelm yourself, not lose money. So, um, I just started doing segments on my show to, to really simplify all of it. And, and that's what I do still today because there is a lot of information, but it's, it, it's not like this, like wall street where, you know, you could sit with your financial planner and just, you know, cross your eyes. I get, you know, who knows mm-hmm. what they're talking about. You can't possibly do, dil- do proper due diligence on the companies that you're investing in, in, in wall street. Mm-hmm. Um, but with real estate, it's not, it's actually not that hard kind of going mm-hmm. back to some of the things you asked earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, sure, there's massive tax benefits that you can take and asset protection techniques and um, things you need to know. But, you know, we've got that 
on our website uh, simplified mm-hmm. for you. And, you know, at the b- end of the day, you just need to hire a really good CPA and, a, you know, an asset protection attorney and they do it for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's how you make it easy. It's not that expensive. But, um, you know, back in, you know, like I said, in 2006, I, I was like, you know, something is terribly wrong here, terribly wrong. You can't, Somebody shouldn't be able to just walk into a bank, sign some paperwork and walk yeah. out with a house. You know, this isn't yeah. normal. And especially when, you know, the, there's no way they can actually afford that payment. It was so obvious. I was a mortgage broker at the time. I'm like, this is, mm-hmm. this is nuts. And so fortunately, the um, experts on my show taught me the things to look for to show you whether you're in a good market or not. And, and they were able to show me that California based on the fundamentals, was completely out of whack at that time. The the Mm -hmm. average person couldn't possibly afford the average home. And jobs were leaving because the average employer couldn't possibly pay the average employee what they needed to survive. So Mm -hmm. that what happens is is the natural migration of companies moving and people moving out of the high-priced markets. So in 2006, they were leaving California and they were going to Texas because Texas Mm -hmm. had a completely different viewpoint on business. They were trying trying to draw business. They weren't trying to, to penalize it. They were giving tax credits and they still are. So mm-hmm. for the past 10 years, Texas has had the number one job growth in the country, which means they've had the number one population growth, which means they've had the, the most migration and no way that builders can keep up with it all. So that's mm-hmm. why we've seen prices go up consistently there and cash mm-hmm. flows. And, you know, it's just been a really great place to invest. So the people I interviewed on my show could recognize that and teach me and teach my audience that, you know, California doesn't make sense, but you can sell and 1031 exchange it. Use this little tax benefit I told you about earlier um, where you can sell your property and not pay tax on that gain if you buy replacement property. So mm-hmm. I was showing people you can sell this overpriced California property and exchange a tax deferred for Texas. So you you could sell one property in California and buy like six or seven for the same amount in Texas. Wow. Quintuple your cash flow and and then avoid the coming crash when when prices are overpriced. So that's where we're at again today. We're exactly mm-hmm. in the same place as 2006. It's 10 years later. California's way overpriced. It's it's going to values are already softening. So we're telling people sell, 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 and get into markets where the jobs are going and the people are going. That's so interesting. One thing, so you know, we've talked a lot about um, some of the benefits. Obviously, the benefits is you know uh, you're setting yourself up for kind of success and passive income, so you can hopefully you know maybe leave your job or retire earlier and everything like that. But what are some of um, the downsides or things that, you know, could go wrong or things that you need to be aware of. Cause it is, you know, you do need to have a risk tolerance, a higher risk tolerance. Cause you know, things can go wrong. We always hear about those. So what are some of the things that people need to be aware of before just jumping into something like this? I mean, it is a, a big investment in buying property. Well, I think you just nailed it. Never just jump in to anything mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I I live in Malibu, so I'm around a lot of rich people. And um, you know, <laughs> let's just face it. And and like my friend's husband invested a million dollars in Apple, and wow. you know, didn't know a thing about stocks. You know, just didn't know a thing. So it doesn't matter. And of course, yeah, you know, it went down ten percent, and then it went up, yeah. and down. You know, it's like you don't want to gamble like that. No, you need to know what to look for. And so it's the same in real estate. 
of, um, you know, what, what are the risks? Well, it's like we talked about earlier. Don't trust people really just, I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. Most of us are really good people. We don't lie. We don't cheat. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that is not the case. And, and, so what, where, where's a wolf going to look for his next prey? You know, he's going to look mm-hmm. for a sweet little bunny rabbit and, and most people are sweet. And so, you know, they want, and they pride themselves on that, but that, that's exactly what a wolf is looking for. So don't trust people, uh, trust if you want to, but verify always. And yeah. so, and there's so many ways to do that. Um, never, ever trust a seller uh, for their word. They're just trying to sell the property. Yeah. Same with an agent. They're trying to make commission. This is not where you get your advice. And yet it's where most people get their advice. So mm-hmm. you want to always get an inspection on the property from a third party inspector who's not connected to mm-hmm. either the seller or the agent. You want to get a third party appraisal that's not connected to the seller or the agent. These two services right there will help you tremendously. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you mentioned that just because so me and my husband recently uh, bought a place, but a couple of years back, we uh, were looking for a house and then we decided to um, delay. But we found that when we were looking with a realtor and we're like, oh, we need to get a, um, a home inspection. Who should we, you know, we we're talking, me and my husband uh, with each other, like, who should we, you know, contact for that? She's like, oh, I have a recommendation. Of course they will. And and sometimes <laughs> when you feel like, you know, the pressure's on, we need one like tomorrow, mm-hmm. you will go with whoever they recommend because yeah. A, you don't know anyone and you don't have the time to really look. So I guess in terms of like, you know, finding a property to invest in, you'll kind of get all of those people on your side beforehand. So you won't be in, stuck in a situation where you have to use the recommendation from the realtor who obviously they, you know, help each other out. Yeah. There's so many licensed um, people out there and organizations that help you. It's not hard these days to mm-hmm. find a good home inspector. So it just takes, you know, maybe a half an hour, but worth every penny. So, mm-hmm. um, but you also have to be careful of home inspectors because sometimes mm-hmm. they might want to to tell you there's a lot of things wrong with the house so that they can come in and do the work for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just have to be aware. And like I said, I, I'm a tr- I've always been a trusting person until I got into this industry. And I cannot tell you how many nice people who tried to be my friend and would take me to dinner and send me birthday gifts and stuff uh, mm-hmm. were also the same people who could look me in the eye and try to sell me a piece of garbage. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you have to have, it sounds like you have to have a fairly tough skin to be in this kind of line of uh, work. (laughs) You just need to, you know, you need to know how to do your due diligence. And and there's nothing wrong with still being friendly with a sociopath, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. (laughs) Um, You just need to know how to do your own diligence. And the, the most important thing is that new investors think other people know a lot more than them. And so mm-hmm. they will just trust blindly because that person says they have more experience and wears a business suit or whatever, um, instead of listening to their gut. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of power in, in, in trusting yourself and also getting the education you need, which again, we, we have just a tremendous amount of um, real basic stuff that you can look at on our website, um, checklists mm-hmm. and videos and, and just things to look out for. Because I remember thinking it was so overwhelming when I started. And now mm-hmm. to me, it's like not at all. But it just takes time. And a lot of people will start listening to my podcast or coming to our events and, you know, just trying to soak in the information. And then a year later, they're like, yeah, I'm ready now. I get it now, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one question I have. So do you kind of more uh, teach people um, about how to buy property and then finding a renter? Or do you also do like the flipping side? So finding a property and then making it look better and then selling it for um, hopefully a profit? Well, we do a little bit of both, but I am a mm-hmm. passive investor. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything you don't know how to do, and that includes flipping houses. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are a contractor, when you have extra time and you understand values, you can make a ton of money flipping. It's a, it's a big flip market today, and people are making mm-hmm. lots of money. But people are losing money, too, and most people lose on their first couple of deals. Um, if they don't mm-hmm. have someone helping them because they pay too much or they over improve or they don't know how to manage the contractors. Um, it's, it's a, it's a huge job. I, I don't have time to do it. Um, mm-hmm. most people have jobs and families and, and they, they want to work out and they, they want to go to church or whatever they have stuff to mm-hmm. do. So, you know, you can't take on another full-time job, even though if you go to a boot camp thing, they'll say, oh, sure, you can do this on the side. You can't. So, you know, I watched my own family members try to buy the house next door and fix it up and and they lost everything. They took money out in a refinance to try to buy it and fix it and lost both houses. So you just, you got to be careful. Now, what I've done, because I like passive Mm -hmm. investing, I I Mm -hmm. don't want to do the work. I don't have time to do the work and I'm not good at it and I don't know anything about fixing anything. So what we've done is created a network network of people who do. So mm-hmm. for example, um, Texas is still a good market, but we've also found other markets today where there's even better cash flow, like Pittsburgh, or Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. or Cleveland, Ohio. These are really strong markets right now where you can mm-hmm. still get great deals. Um, in those markets, um, we've gone in and found really good contractors, really good agents and property managers to to make kind of almost like a Yelp you know, type situation yeah. where these guys don't want a bad review, you know, because we were yeah. so many people. And, and so we have that set up. So we actually do do flips that way in Cleveland. And, um, and it's all passive, we let our teams out there do it all. But we found that um, there's actually more money in rental. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Because there's so many factors to look at with real estate and, and people who don't know those different factors don't find out till it's too late. Uh, and that's why you want to come to an organization like mine where you could tell me one scenario and I will tell you exactly what you need to know about it um, mm-hmm. from many different perspectives. So with flipping, what you need to know about that is that it's taxed like ordinary income. Mm-hmm. So if you already make some decent money, um, you know, you're going to get taxed on that profit pretty heavily. Whereas, okay, so so let's say on my flips in in Cleveland, I make 26%, but I'm in a high tax bracket. I'm only making 13%. Whereas if mm-hmm. I bought a rental property in Cleveland and financed it, I'd be making 20 to 25%. And that's all in the, in the unbelievable tax um, incentives I get from that. And then the appreciation I get from that because I bought right. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there's so many different benefits that, you know, if I went, the the, the 13% mm-hmm. I got from the flip is just not that exciting, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. 
One question I'm uh, curious about is, you know, say, you know, you're ready and you buy a property and your plan is to rent it out. What is, and maybe this is, you know, um, it's different for every situation, but how long are you supposed to uh, hang on to it? Are you supposed to, you know, absolutely hang on to it for five to 10 years? Then if you want to sell, you know, or are you waiting until the market improves and then it's a good time to sell? Like, how long are you supposed to hang on to this? It just depends on your goals. Um, You know, one one example I put in my book, I, I wrote a book called Retire Rich mm-hmm. with Rentals. It's on Amazon. Um, one of the stories I have on there is my mom's pastor. And mm-hmm. and here's a guy on a pastor's salary. I don't imagine it was very much. It was like, you know, up in Northern California yeah. in the in the boonies. And like, I, I don't imagine he made a lot of money. And I'm pretty sure he didn't get much of a retirement. But by mm-hmm. accident... He he and his wife had bought a house, and they ended up getting a job at a different church. And they it, it was a time when they weren't able to sell their house, so they um, they kept their house, rented it out, and bought a different house near the new job. And we're like, wow, that was easy. The house rented, and it's covering all the costs, and there's a lot extra cash flow. So. They just decided to do that every year till they, you know, and they were young when they started. So let's say mm-hmm. 30, by the time they were 40, they had 10 houses. He, wow. he was putting stuff aside. And and so by the time he was 60, um, he had paid off all 10 mortgages because they're 30-year mortgages, right? Yeah. So yeah. by the time, you know, by the time he was 60, 65, 70, he had 10 homes in Northern California paid off by the tenants mm-hmm. and you know, my mom, you know, actually rented one of his houses and, and paid fifteen hundred dollars a month. Now that's on wow. a that's one of ten, right? Mm-hmm. And and taxes, you know, are pretty low in California. Um, believe it or not, it's like the only <laughs> thing that's good. You know, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but um, now during the downturn of two thousand nine, those those properties went from probably being worth three hundred thousand each to maybe a hundred and fifty thousand each. They lost a lot of value, mm-hmm. but you know what? He wasn't selling them. Yeah. He was renting them and they stayed rented and those rents increased because so many people lost their homes. They were forced to rent. So mm-hmm. here's a guy who was a pastor, was retired on these 10 homes, which basically at, at 150000 each, that's a, a million five mm-hmm. um, of a, a portfolio that's kicking out around $100,000, $120,000 a year net after all expenses. Mm-hmm. And and every year getting a raise as rents go up. So, you know, he didn't care. He wasn't in it for the, the value of the property. He was in it for the cash flow. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like I could talk to you about real estate <laughs> forever. I have so many questions. So I'm only going to ask you a few more and then I'll wrap it up. Okay. So the first one I, I that just came to my mind is one thing that I, I'm always kind of like, uh, can I afford it is... Um, okay. Well, this is kind of a two-parter. So the first part is when investing in property, are you always supposed to have, you know, a good sizable down payment for each property that you buy? Or I've been talking to, you know, some people I know and what they've done is they did that for maybe one or two properties, but then they kind of use their mortgages as, um, I'm not sure what the terminology is, but they don't necessarily use, you know, have a big chunk of cash for every property to have a down payment on. For the down payment. Yeah. Um, well, what a lot of people don't know is if you have good credit and, and, um, and some money and low debt, um, mm-hmm. you can, you can go into a, a conventional lender, just, you know, maybe not your local bank, but you know, we have a whole list of lenders who, who focus on investment property and you can get up to 10 loans. People don't realize that on, on investment mm-hmm. property. You don't, you don't just get stuck with one. So 
Um, and, and the funny thing is if you buy a hundred thousand dollar home, um, you, you're maybe putting 80, uh, 20% down and you're borrowing $80,000. That's mm-hmm. like a $400 payment. So, and you get mm-hmm. to include the income. So a lot of people don't realize they can qualify to buy investment property, maybe even more so than they can qualify for their primary. And and they could probably qualify for 10 investment properties because you can count all the income and and mm-hmm. uh, and, and do that when they couldn't maybe qualify for one primary. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. So now it's harder today to buy an investment property with no money down. Yeah. But if you can buy that first property and put 20% down, but you improve it, or it's an area where it's rapidly appreciating, well, then you just refinance, take your cash out and go do it again. So that that's mm-hmm. how people do it without having to use a lot of their own money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. the second question I have is, how much does it really cost to kind of uh, hold and maintain a property? If you just have renters in there and maybe you want to be a bit more hands-off and not, you know, be the property manager yourself and go fix when, uh, when you know, the pipe bursts or something, like what kind of expenses should people expect when they are holding onto a property that they're renting? Well, it really depends on the condition of the property mm-hmm. and the age of the right. property. Mm-hmm. So if you bought a dump, you're going to, it's like buying an old car. You're going to be paying yeah. for it all the time, you know? I prefer new cars. Um, so that's that's what we do with with properties is um, we work with teams nationwide who find the property, fix them up to like brand new condition and put a tenant in place and make it a totally turnkey investment. Now mm-hmm. we have a like, again, a 20, um, you know, 20 question checklist that that makes sure that the renovation has been done to our standards. And so if you have a new roof and you have new plumbing and you have new electrical, you're just not going to get nickel in time. So it's a lot mm-hmm. easier to estimate your expenses. But if you just buy an old house that was a foreclosure and you have to replace those things, it's a little bit harder to gauge your cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you just, again, just make sure, you know, the condition of the property. And if you're going to have to replace a, a water heater, you need to add that in and, and, Mm -hmm. and calculate that. Um, that's why, like I said, we are busy selling investors, brand new homes or homes that have been updated to like new so that there aren't, you know, you're not guessing, but even so if the property's in good condition, you should set aside just for emergency about it's it's varies, but usually the people say between five and seven percent of rent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just in case. And mm-hmm. and also I guess the other thing is, you know, yeah, something could break, but also what if those tenants leave and you can't find a new tenant right away? That's always kind of a, I think a fear that lots of people have you know, what if I'm stuck with this property and then I'm paying like two mortgages? You'll have no problem with that if you buy right. So, yeah. you know, if you buy in a good, strong, solid neighborhood with good schools and near jobs um, and, and not in an area where there's more property than than people, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. then, then you do you don't have to worry about that. Like like the areas like Chicago's there's certain neighborhoods in Chicago that we like because you can get, get properties there for like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or less. But, you know, it's, it's the third largest city in the, in the country and mm-hmm. just an enormous pool of people to choose from. It's like a 10 million, you know, so if, if 50% are renters, that's like 5 million people, you know? Yeah. As long as you bought in the right neighborhood and, and have a good, attractive house, then, you know, you should be fine. The only times we see people go vacant for a long time, and this is going to sound really weird. This this is like my California side, but mm-hmm. sometimes properties just have a weird energy. There's just mm-hmm. like either, either it's just the layout's weird. So, you know, buy a nice yeah. house with a good layout. 
Um, but also I like visiting my properties because I want to feel it. And, yeah. and and other women tend to be the ones who choose the property. You know, it's the wife who's like, I yeah. like this one. So it's got to feel good. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't. And it could be because there was an unhappy person that lived there and there's like just negative energy. So I actually work with feng shui people to totally clear the energy so it's fresh and clean. I, I know that, again, that's my California side, but it works. Yeah. yeah. I like that, though. And I totally agree. Some places just have just bad vibes. And I've, you know, definitely when we were kind of house hunting for our first place, there were certain places where I'm like, nope, bad vibes. You just Let's get out of here. Good. I don't care if it seems like a good deal. Mm-mm. But, but the thing is, you can, you can fix that. That That's that's what people don't often know. There, there's actually a lot of studies now that show that energy is measurable. So if you literally mm-hmm. had, like we bought, my husband and I bought a house where it, it was a nasty divorce. I mean, bad. Mm-hmm. And you could feel it. The, you could feel years wow. of unhappiness in that house, you know? And and so we had this lady come and and just do you know they 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 do the sage and the you know there's mm-hmm. all these things you could do to clear that energy because supposedly um, you know anger is actually a measurable energy that can linger you know but mm-hmm. it can also be cleared. That's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> I, know. I do usually like whenever I move to a new place, I haven't done it to our new place, but we did just move in is my grandma gave me a bottle of holy water because um, we're from a Catholic background. And so she gave it to me, you know, when I first moved out of my parents' house, it's kind of like a, a warming gift. But it's true. I still no matter where we move, I always kind of just Put it around the house just yeah. for kind of good vibes, just to kind of get the bad out. No, no, for sure. I mean, there's no depending on whatever your religion is. I mean, definitely for sure, sage it. Just yeah. burn sage. That's mm-hmm. supposed to just no. That's burn. a good yeah. idea. I think I should do that to this. Definitely place. do that, and then and then go around to every corner and bless it and pray and pray and you know and and ask for that that present you know the presence of God to be there and to bless it mm-hmm. and it will make a difference for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So before I let you go, you did mention that you have a book. What what other kind of uh, resources do you want to make sure that listeners uh, should check out? Sure. Um, oh, like I said, Retire Rich with Rentals is on Amazon. And that is like, a, boy, you could read that in an afternoon. It's real easy. Oh, perfect. But it, it, it got the checklist you need to make sure you don't make dumb mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. but it's really easy to read. And then um, Real Wealth Network is our website, Real Wealth Network, and you can join there for free. And then you get access to all the data on the best markets today and why Ooh. we like those markets. Yeah, where the jobs are moving and then, you know, lots of data that I didn't know I was a data freak until I got yeah. this, but I love it. Um, so we share that and then we share um, the referrals, the way we get paid is we refer, um, you know, to the agents in those areas and they pay us out of their commission. So mm-hmm. um, nobody has to pay for our service. So that's nice. That's, that's, nice. that's yeah. great. Yeah. So you get access to our referral list of, of people around the country who really understand investment property and, and, um, and are able to provide that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for chatting real estate with me. It was a blast. And now I'm going to, I'm going to definitely check out your website. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Good. Love to have you as a member. And that was episode 98 with Kathy Fetke from the Real Wealth Network. Make sure to go to realwealthnetwork.com to find out more about her and to get involved in this real estate investing world. Apparently, a lot of people are doing it and they may just not talk about it. Um, I'm always discovering people that I know. I'm like, oh, you, you own a place? 
that you rent out? I had no idea. So if you that sounds like something that you want to look more into, check out her website. She seems to absolutely know her stuff. Um, and of course, I'm going to put a lot more details about things that we talked about, some more interesting links and tidbits in the show notes. JessicaMorales.com slash 98 is where you need to go to figure that one out. Out. All right. And of course, before I go, thanks again to Lowest Rates for sponsoring this episode of the Mo Money Podcast. Lowest Rates is awesome because they help you find the best rates on almost anything, including your you know mortgage rate, auto insurance, life insurance. Basically, they want you to find the best deal around. And the best way to do that is to go to their site to find out what the best deals are. I did it myself. I've tried it out. That's why I like to spread the word. And I'm a big fan of lowest rates. So make sure to go to lowestrates.ca if you're in the market to shop around for some rates. That's where you got to go. Lowest rates. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me for this episode. And lucky me, I've got a listener series episode for you. Maybe lucky you. Lucky me, lucky you. We're all lucky. So make sure to come back here tomorrow because I have a listener series episode that you will not want to miss. And on that note, if you are listening right now and you have a story that you want to share with me on an episode, please shoot me an email, jessica at jessicamorales.com. And we'll see if we can get you on the show. All right. Cheers. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.